Hiya folks, this is Film Query, the queer experience of the media you love. I'm Indy and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Chloe and my pronouns are she, her. And this week we'll be talking about the campy cult classic movie from the 90s, Death Becomes Her. So can you tell us a wee bit about the, the movie, like what it's about? Uh, the movie is, there's these two women who are frenemies and um, basically they're both are very similar, hence why they're probably frenemies, um, and one of them ends up stealing the other one's husband and then um, how do you, the second woman then makes a reappearance seven years later, um, somehow looking better than she did the seven years before, while the woman who stole the boyfriend, played by Meryl Streep, um, is starting to tragically decay. Her beauty is fading. Oh no, um, I'm getting older. <laughs> I, mean, I can just imagine Meryl Streep like fully doing that and throwing herself into it. Like, oh, my beauty's fading. Oh no, I've got eye bags now. Oh, the tragic march of time. Whatever will I do? Um, yeah. It's kind of like if Meryl Streep had her own um special cinematic version of that weird like toxic friendship slash romance you have with your like um queer rival in high school you know mm. that girl you had like some mad like tension with but you could never you know be with yeah. her you're both girls and that kind of... dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so basically after that Meadow State's like how the hell is, is Goldie Hawn looking so young she should be in her 50s you know, that's she looks like she's 22. That's weird. Um, so she hops along to her local wee plastic surgeon and is like, what the hell's going on? Uh, you know, how does she get to look so young? And I don't. And he gives her like a wee, a wee card to this German lady's house. So I mean, like the hottest German woman I've ever seen. She's also a nudist. And that's yeah. never discussed. She's like, yeah. Here, come to my house and I'll tell you, like, you know, the magical secrets, but don't look at my boobs while you do. Like, yeah. but they will be there. <laughs> They're just out. <laughs> she's got wee jewels on them. They're just out and about, minding their own business. And she's got her own little um, himbo, like, little... Yeah, she's got her wee like... army of himbos. Yeah, um, yeah, she's like an army of himbos who just <laughs> constantly come in and make witty comments and then, like, saunter off to go be stupid somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, the, the German lady is like, psych, I'm not a young woman. I am actually in my 70s. Here's like a wee potion. Um, and you can stay young forever, but you have to take care of your body. Like, that's important. That's um, and then what happens next is like the campiest scene I've probably ever watched. Where it's like she's she's like oh this isn't working and she's there's this massive like ornate mirror at the front door and she sees her bum cheeks firm up and she sees her, her boobs get like not saggy anymore like inflated they like slowly rise like yeast yeah they're like it's, it's like someone's just blew up a wee balloon yeah. <laughs> And she's like proper like fawning over it. She's like, wow, this is amazing. I can't imagine that I'd have felt quite nice. I don't think it was a would be a pleasant sensation if my saggy boobs suddenly just went. Yeah. But she's um, loving it, Meryl Streep at this point. She's on yeah. time to life. 
We won't discuss if, if like your body changed that quickly in real life, you'd have mad stretch marks, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> because this is a fantasy movie, we can't talk about real life implications. It's definitely a fantasy movie because there's... Those two, Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep, both look amazing, I'd like to point out. Like, mm-hmm. Meryl Streep didn't need all that plastic surgery in the film. She looked genuinely, like, quite good, but she was, she could see all these invisible crow feet, and it was like, you know, even that ugly babe, calm down. Just chill. I don't know, she, she thinks she's, wa- she's, like, when she gets up in the morning, she's walking out from, like, the crypt, but nah, she's Meryl Streep, she's bloody stunning. Yeah, she. She's rocking it. She's got and her hair's such a nice colour. Like she's got everything going on and like though mm. her hair does change. Like do you, if you watch it you can notice when she goes in the mirror it looks completely different and it's like I get it's meant to change your body, but your hair can't suddenly just go all <laughs> silky and smooth. Mm, but you don't know it's this magic potion. This it's is not true. based in science. Maybe I'm yeah, maybe I'm being too scientific with it. Maybe I'm trying to, you know apply logic to a film that definitely doesn't apply <laughs> logic to itself. So meanwhile, when Meryl Streep's character is at the German lady's house, Goldie Hawn and Bruce Willis, who I didn't know it was Bruce Willis until Did my mum told me. No way, I, I didn't know till I googled it. And then I was like, oh, it's probably like, he's, he's not the Bruce Willis, it's just a guy who happens to have the same name. But no, it's the Bruce Willis. He has the range, it turns out. Yeah. Who knew a moustache could um, conceal one's identity? Who knew a moustache and glasses could could do that to a man? Uh, So meanwhile, they've been in the house. Uh, For those that don't know, Goldie Hawn was Bruce Willis's original spouse in the movie. Um, And Meryl Streep, who has a thing for stealing away Goldie Hawn's boyfriends, um, you know, steals her. Uh, man offer and she's like super pissed so she like tries to manipulate uh bruce willis into killing meryl streep in this really campy scene where a car flips over a mountain a mountain cliff yeah and then she does all the act she just like pretends to an impression of meryl streep as well it's great Mm. So meanwhile, they're they're doing all this, and Meryl Streep's coming in like, ha ha, I'm bloody stunning again. An and, argument on the yes. stairs, and of course he he uh, she calls Bruce Willis's character like a pathetic. Because of wimp. Yeah. wimp. Yeah, that's the word. And he's like, no, I can't handle this anymore, and pushes her down the stairs, where she promptly breaks her neck and cops it. Uh, but. Little does he know, she's had that magic little sip sip. <laughs> um, and she's um, she's she's alive. She's just terribly warped. Yeah, like yeah, her neck's she... round the wrong way. It's like The Exorcist, but not scary. It's like it's like The Exorcist, but gay. Like you know. Exactly, it's like The Exorcist, but gay. Um, so he uh, Bruce Willis phones Goldie Hawn and he's like I've done it I've finally done it and she's like Jesus Christ she could have just stuck to the plan and they would have been all good but no you decided to have a moment you ruined my perfect campy plan with your stupid straightforward male bullshit thanks Bruce mm. Willis 
and then as he's on the phone, Meryl Streep is like, psych, I'm still alive. And she like gets up, but her neck's still around the wrong way and she's like toddling around. And honestly, before I'd actually seriously watched this movie, that was the only bit I'd ever seen. So I knew what I was expecting. Let's just put it that way. It really freaked me out that her she could see her own bum. I think what freaks me out more is the bit when you realise that she realises she can see her own bum. Like, how does she think she's the right way? Her, I know her boobs were small, but there's a difference between your, your small boobs and your back. Mm-hmm. And she still didn't realise that she was backwards. Yeah, and she's like, and uh, she's, honey, I'm I'm looking at my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and Bruce Willis is just like, he's got the shakes. He's losing his mind over there. He's like... yeah. I made so a mistake of, with this. So, of course, what does he do? Um, he was a plastic surgeon before, but um, things haven't been going too great. And somehow he ended up being a mortician. So what yeah. he does is he takes her up and he airbrushes her skin colour back to life. He makes her look like fresh and alive. And honestly, I don't know if at this point in time the airbrush foundation was a thing. But like that's all that scene reminded me of. I was still freaked out thinking about how he uses spray paint. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that that's surely not... Oh, it's mentioned. Someone says to him, oh, you did such a good work on my grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it can't be, but yeah. And basically, as the movie goes on, uh, it's revealed that Goldie Horn has also drunk the, the Sip Sip magic potion. Um, but she drank it years before, and that's why she now looks amazing because before she was um she was quite pretty before the whole boyfriend stealing thing and then afterwards she kind of put on a bit of weight um and she struggled to lose it lose it because she was so obsessed with destroying Meryl Streep um but then the magic sip sip cured her of all her problems except one thing one side of her hair was straight and one side is curly in the film and every time she's on screen, I cannot un- like look at anything else. Oh, like, no. She- yeah. And I felt, I don't know if it's because it reminds me of how my hair used to be, but it, it felt like a really bad mistake on her part. If she's so obsessed with being pretty, surely you'd make sure your hair was, like, uniform. Mm. But, yeah, so she's took the magic sip sip. Um, and then her and Meryl Streep decide to have a Star Trek-style fight with um, two shovels. And obviously they just beat the shit out of each other because there's no real consequences because they both have immortal um, bodies at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have like a, I think... An epiphany? Yeah, like a re- epiphany and then a reconciliation between them of like, you know, we're both awful women, but you're like my awful woman is kind yeah. of how it went down. Which was written to me. As enemies to lovers. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. I definitely... Well, it's like, as soon as they um, get over their whole, like, um, animosity between them, they don't care about Bruce Willis anymore, because before this, Goldie Horn had been trying to seduce the pants off him. But as mm-hmm. soon as Meryl Streep's like, oh, I forgive you, Goldie Horn, she's like, oh, Meryl Streep, you're all I've ever wanted. And, like, Bruce Willis goes at one point, oh, you want nothing to do with me now? And Goldie Hawn goes, no, not anymore. And then puts her arm around Meryl Streep. How am I not meant to interpret that as, like, gay? Yeah, it's enemies to lovers. 
I mean, you, you've heard of enemies to lovers when you're reading books and it's like, no, he he tried to kill her. He was abusive. No, this is the real enemies to lovers. This this is a good enemies to lovers because they're both women and they're both evil and they don't have yeah. to stop being evil to be lovers. They just stop being evil towards each other. So as the movie goes on, there's like shenanigans where basically they realise that they need Bruce Willis because of his expertise and making them look uh, like continuing to stay beautiful because, yeah, because basically the fight, um, Goldie Hawn has a huge hole in her tummy, Meryl yes. Streep, you know, fell down the stairs and yeah, um, <laughs> we'll just gloss over that. So basically they try and get the German lady to give Bruce Willis the, the magic sip sip um, and he's like, no, I've decided I want to grow old. Which, I mean, okay. Like, you're you. eating, but, you know, at least help the gals out. And, like, he's never seen, he, he ends up falling off, um, like, the, the top of the tower, and it's very yes. dramatic. But um, he lives because he falls into a magical, well-placed pool. Mm-hmm. And we completely ignore the fact that he almost smashed through a glass roof but that's mm-hmm. not important because he landed in the pool. So he's per- he's perfectly fine. Yeah. So after that, you know, it kind of time skips to something like 30 years later and they're still, you know, alive and kicking and Bru- they attend Bruce Willis's character's funeral because uh, he's copped it from old age. And they're like, oh yeah, well, life really begins at 50. And I think the message of the movie was they were trying to kind of put in that, oh, you don't need to like, stay focused and, and be young forever. You can just, like, accept being old. <laughs> Whereas they're like, nah. Yeah, they're like, absolutely no. We, we, they're like, have you seen us? We're beautiful. But at this point, they do look like melting Madame Two Swords um, mm-hmm. figures. They don't they don't look good because they've, um, in the time skip, they've had to be doing maintenance on each other. Um, but these women, as much as I love them, um, they're not very um, competent in the area of uh, no, they'd be they'd, they'd fail arts and crafts. Yes, definitely. They did not uh, have GCSEs in art. Yeah, no gold star for them. <laughs> so it ends basically. Uh, they're walking out the funeral like, haha, like you know that's really stupid. Um, imagine, imagine being old and getting grey and whatever, and then they fall down the stairs and they fall into wee bits because. They've not been taking care of their bodies, and that's it. That's the end of the movie. Yeah, they're just smashed into a million pieces at the ed- at the edge uh, at the bottom of the stairs, and then um, Meryl Streep makes like a you know catty comment like, "Oh, do you remember we parked the car? Like, babe, you ain't mm-hmm. got a body. You know, you got you got bigger issues in the car." <laughs> so yeah, it ends with kind of... very campy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a cult classic. Apparently, it didn't do very well when it came out, but it's become like a cult classic now um, from like the queer community. When you read into it, it's kind of a lot about toxic femininity. I mean, you've heard of toxic masculinity, but but I think this is a really good example. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. I think their obsession with... um, It's like this: the obsession with being pretty, their obsession with like outward appearances it's like everything it's everything you should do but in the worst way as a woman Mm. 
I mean, honestly, like in our little notes here, um, I put Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss for the win, but really it is because the Gaslight part is that, you know, they're, they're being really shitty towards each other. Yeah. Uh, over the boyfriend thing and in general, you know, Gatekeep, she's not, te- Goldie Hawn's not telling Mel- Meryl Streep how she's staying so young and pretty. Um, so they're, they're, keep, they're gatekeeping the, the, the magic sip sip. Yeah, they don't want anyone else to have the magic sip sip because they need enough for that. Like they want to definitely, um, they want to possess it. They want to own that power to stay beautiful. Um, and they are definitely girl bosses. Yeah. They're girl bosses because they gaslight and gatekeep. So. Mm-hmm. I would argue that this is the OG gaslight gatekeep girl boss movie that kicked off all of the other gaslight gatekeep girl boss movies. Yeah, definitely. Every every like teen um, Regina George, you know, like, Regina George type, is definitely thinks she's the Meryl Streep of her film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd argue that the reason it probably is so popular with um, the queer community at this point is because of the toxic uh, femininity. Because if you, when you consider like your negative tropes. Films that have these negative tropes tend to get accepted much more by the queer community because you have to, as a queer person, turn negatives in your life into positives. And obviously you seek media that also does that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my stance on probably why it is so popular with um, queer people and probably because it's got Meryl Streep in it. So. Oh, of course. Yeah, Mamma Mia, Death Becomes Her, what else? I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I, this, this is the first film I've ever watched of Meryl Streep. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I'm. When I watch films, I usually watch like, like the really like male homoerotic ones, like Top Gun, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This is the first one I've watched I re- that's ever had like evil women that aren't, you know, badly written. These women mm. are. These women are quite awful, but they're quite well written. Yeah. Um, so when I was doing research for this uh, episode, I found a really interesting Vice article by uh, Sean Fay called Why Death Becomes Her Speaks to Trans Women. And basically, um, to kind of sum the whole article up, it's really good. You should read it um, if you haven't already. But basically, it's about how trans women are expected to be like kind of they have to they be have, the conventional beauty yeah. standard to be accepted by society. And it but kind of takes... Oh, but sorry, you can't you want ahead. to be that, that pretty. You have to... Um, like, if you express... As a trans woman, the article discusses that if you express any desire to be pretty and look good, then you're not doing it the right way. You're supposed to need to be pretty to be accepted that's kind of how the article presents it um there's a good quote um that kind of sums this kind of point up rarely a day goes by where i'm not reminded that i exist in a culture which my entire success or rather my palatability as a trans woman is rooted in how attractive i am when i decided to embark on medical transition i confided in another trans woman this isn't what i'm supposed to say she told me but just look good it's the best advice i can give for an easier life 
and if you look good as well as a um trans woman um it's also like a revenge against this society that tells you like you can't be that pretty like you can be pretty for a trans woman but you can never be that pretty but if you are pretty in your way then it's like a big like middle finger to all the people who you know told you you can never be um mm-hmm. the convention the conventional woman kind of thing yeah i mean of, like i'm i'm not trans but like when i was reading the article i could really get on uh get into the the mindset and stuff like that and it made me think can i it opened my mind up a lot more which i think a lot of can assess people really you know they need to do because even if like we are queer we we have to constantly be learning and stuff like that you know it's not just a right yeah, here I am. yeah you can't just be like oh i'm i figured out i'm bi i'm d- i'm done now i'll see you all later you have to keep um look you have you have to keep looking into stuff and you have to consider like how like you have to con- think of, you can't think of the lgbt community just as this big like community of um this big circle if it was a venn diagram it's like loads of little circles and you all affect each other and you all have stuff in common and stuff that complements each other and stuff that conflicts so you have to keep looking into other people's perspective because you could think something and it's just like completely offensive you know mm-hmm. um and as a non-binary person as well because obviously i'm not trying to be conventional I'm trying to be as least conventional um, as possible. But it's interesting to always see that for some um, queer people, being conventional is the goal, you know, mm-hmm. especially within um, trans women, I imagine, because it's obviously so hard just to get people to take you seriously, unfortunately. And, I mean, I guess it would also mean that, like, because trans women face a lot of, like, discrimination, um like particularly um people who don't quote unquote pass as well they normally get targeted for like hate crimes and stuff like that so maybe for them it's also a sense of security like the Mm. more feminine they look the safer they'll be that yeah that's like the hope isn't it that if i do fit into what people think i you know what people think a woman looks like then i'll be fine and I won't have to suffer all the awful um transphobia and stuff another Mm. reason it probably resonates with trans women is because um these women although they are already um you know quite pretty naturally um they're after this like artificial beauty you know like this artificial beauty and femininity that they can make and they can own and obviously Mm -hmm. that's like I said I'm not a trans woman but I imagine that's probably like a universal in 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 the, in the transparent community it's probably a well um well shared uh, perspective yeah i mean apparently there's also quite a big impact like similarly on the drag community not only by like how campy the movie is because you know you could imagine it as a as a complete drag skit and it would make total sense um it even got a RuPaul's Drag Race feature like it was one of those yeah it was like the thingy of the week was um Death Becomes Her so Mm. you definitely can see it there um and again I imagine the drag community can um relate to creating your own uh femininity Mm -hmm. Um, and they probably relate more to the like um outlandish aspects of it you know Mm -hmm. 
like when Meryl Streep's like, it's like she goes in, doesn't she, demanding to the plastic surgeon that she has this um, procedure performed. And they're like, no, it's been three weeks. And she's like, I don't care. I need to look, you know, this way. And she's like, it'll like damage you. And it's like, she's like, I don't care. I just want to look the way, you know, she wants to mm-hmm. look. I mean, it kind of like a lot of the stuff we just kind of covered is it's not really even us reading too much into it. It's just it's it's quite obvious subtext. Yeah, it's, it's there. It's you can't. You can't watch it and not think those things because it's just so in your face the entire film. Like it's it's queer themes, it's campness, like it's all there and you can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess to kind of start wrapping up, like I still stand by my point that this movie is the OG Gaslight Gatekeep girl boss movie. I agree fully. It's it's probably the oldest one I've seen that has that. Um, yeah. Yeah, archetype. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do like when you first saw the movie, what did you think? Like, did you enjoy it? Did you? I I, um, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. The I, I liked it a lot more the second time. When I watched it the first time, I was a bit disappointed because I thought it was going to go down a different route. But then mm-hmm. when I watched it the second time, I kind of knew it was coming. I was like, oh, I can actually enjoy, um, you know, the film for its campness and stuff. Um without having to constantly be guessing which way is it going to go. Because from the description, especially on Netflix, I couldn't tell if it was going to be, like, a weird fantasy film or if it was going to be, like, one of those weird, um, you know, like, creepy plastic surgeon ones. Mm-hmm. So I um, I really enjoyed it. And um, my partner, who is also non-binary, really enjoyed it. <laughs> he loved it. <laughs> he thought it was great. Um, but, yeah, what did you think? Because... Um, like I really enjoyed it. I mean, to be honest, like throughout my life, I'd always seen the stair bit, like where she gets back mm-hmm. up and her neck's all weird. Um, I'd seen that a couple of times on the TV, and I'd be like, "Haha, that's kind of funny." But then I'd like go back and do my own thing. So actually sitting down and watching it all the way through, I was like, "Oh, that's how that happened then." Um, yeah, but yeah, I get it. Um, I like the movie. I feel like it kind of ended a wee bit abruptly, um, but otherwise, like, I enjoyed it. I think it's one of those ones that you can maybe get a bit tipsy and watch oh, with yeah. friends. Yeah. A bit of wine, a bit of Meryl Streep, you know, yeah. it's a good bit, it's a good time. I think it's definitely, like, a Saturday night, like, you know, um, a Saturday, cheesy Saturday night film is probably how to describe it. I wouldn't watch it on, like, a Wednesday and you yeah know, it's, it's not a wednesday film um, it's a saturday film definitely a saturday film but uh what would you give it out of 10 because i love a good hour 10 so. Ooh, out of 10 um i'd probably give it 7.5 magic sip sips out of 10 <laughs> i'd go eight sip sips out of 10 i'm definitely i'm gonna go for the whole sip sips i can't do halves no <laughs> so i'm gonna go eight sip sips out of 10 all right. Well, um, thank you for listening and tuning in to us. This is our, our little baby, our little, you know, please tune in to the next episode. We're available on Twitter wow. and TikTok um, at Film Query. At Film Query, yeah. At Film Query. Um, and yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs>